This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, March 29th. Opening day is just days away. Hard to believe. Matt Wehmeyer pinch hitting for Tim McMaster this week on the Mets podcast. We're joined, as always, by Mets reporter Anthony DeComo. And, uh, Anthony, unfortunately, we have to uh, start this thing on a bit of a down note as uh, the big news coming down earlier Wednesday that uh, closer Jay Reese Familia suspended uh, 15 games without pay uh, for his uh, involvement in an incident uh, back on Halloween night of last year. And, Anthony, we won't spend a ton of time on this, but, uh, you know, the way I kind of look at it is, you know, there are bad people that do bad things and good people that do bad things and make mistakes. I think clearly that Jay Reese Familia falls in that that latter category. And uh, you know what? He's going to take his punishment, put it behind him, and everything should be okay. Yeah, and you know what? You don't want to speculate on what happened that night because really only Jay Reese Familia and his family know that for certain. Uh, but certainly that was the crux of, of MLB's statement today, of the Players Union statement, of Familia's own statement, was that you know he was apologetic about what happened and he's not making excuses for what happened. Uh, MLB's investigation uh, was was thorough, of course, and you know they concluded or they could not conclude, I should say, that um, Familia attacked his wife or anything of that nature. Um, so uh, I think the the sentence of 15 games reflects. MLB's investigation, and um, it's the most lenient sentence that MLB has issued uh, in any of these cases so far since it instituted its domestic violence policy a couple of years ago. Um, you know, from a baseball perspective, that's of course good news for the Mets. They'll get their closer back uh, really a couple of weeks into the season. And in the interim, you're looking at Addison Reed, who has plenty of closing experience in the past. He did it with the Diamondbacks, uh, he did it with the White Sox. And uh, he was one of the best set-up men in baseball last year with the Mets. Really, statistically, had a better year uh, than Jurius Familia did. So uh, I don't think the Mets are going to be missing a lot in the ninth inning. Of course, it affects the team because everyone slides up a spot. You'll have Fernando Salas, Jerry Blevins pitching in the eighth inning. Um, you know, you'll have Hansel Robles probably taking a lot of time in the seventh inning. And everyone just kind of moves up. And, of course, it weakens the whole operation just that much. Um, but, you know, the most important thing here, obviously, when you talk about Jurious familiar in this situation is that is that you know MLB gets the situation right and uh, certainly they did, they did a thorough job at investigating and and uh, you know dishing out this discipline. Yeah, I've not heard a critical word from anybody regarding the discipline. I think they they kind of nailed this one on the head. Did uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred and uh, you know like you said, Jerry Reese has expressed a great deal of remorse for whatever did happen that night that that's his business and his family's and no one else's and he's putting it behind him and uh, the Mets will too so like you said you know it's it's news you don't want to hear in any regard but uh you know the 15 games will fly by they'll put it behind him 
and then uh, everything will be uh, A-OK. And like you said, Addison Reed closing there in the ninth. Everybody does move up a spot, but in terms of uh, losing much in the closers department, the Mets aren't really losing much at all. Uh, transitioning uh, from the closers role uh, to the rotation, and Anthony, you know, those top three spots are locked and loaded, etched in stone, written in blood, whatever you want to say. Obviously, Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Harvey. Beyond that, though, the uh, battles for the four and five spots have been rather intriguing ones uh, all during spring training. Robert Kesselman has looked uh, very good. Steven Matz now, uh, who, you know, you would think had one of those spots locked down. He's got some aches and pains. And then also in the mix, uh, Seth Lugo, who missed some time due to the World Baseball Classic. And Zach Wheeler has also looked good. Uh, so throw all those names in a blender. You know, four guys, two spots. How does this whole thing shake out, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, well, that number four spot was supposed to be Steven Matz's. And like you said, uh, he came down with some elbow irritation. Uh, he tried to pitch through it a little bit. The Mets were hopeful that maybe he would get in the game the last week down here in Florida, and it just didn't happen for him. Uh, he got out there, he tried to throw a couple of times, and the pain just didn't go away. So he went for testing, and the Mets are uh, a little bit on pins and needles waiting for that. But what it does in, in the short term is, is it basically eliminates any chance Stephen Matz had of breaking camp with his team, of being in the opening day rotation. And you know, based on the spring statistics, based on what people have said, uh, Robert Gesellman, you have to think he's going to be in that fourth spot in place of Stephen Matz. He, he's just had a tremendous spring. Uh, he's coming off a tremendous uh, cup of coffee in the big leagues in which he really, along with Seth Lugo and, and Bartolo Colon, kept the Mets afloat last August and, and, and into September. So I, I fully expect Robert Gesellman to be in the fourth spot, and then the fifth spot uh, realistically is down to Zach Wheeler and, and Seth Lugo. And this is not your typical spring battle. Uh, certainly the battle portion of it is over with. These guys are done pitching in spring training, and the Mets just have to decide what's best. Um, you know, stuff-wise, Zach Wheeler has been off the charts this spring. He has looked great. He looks like he's certainly most of the way back from that Tommy John surgery that has robbed him of the last two seasons. Uh, but he's on an innings limit this year, and, and it's a pretty strict one. He's certainly not going to throw more than 120, 125 innings in 2017. And the Mets have to decide do they want to spend those innings now in April when they know that he's healthy, or do they want to wait and, and spend them in a pennant race later in the summer? Uh, so they're going to have to weigh that. They're going to have to weigh the fact that, like I mentioned before, Seth Lugo had such a good 2017, excuse me, 2016 for them, uh, looked so good for most of the World Baseball Classic, and really uh, until a rough outing at the end of spring training looked pretty good in Grapefruit League games as well. Uh, certainly not a, an easy decision. Uh, do the Mets go with Wheeler's upside? Do they go with the known quantity in Seth Lugo? Uh, you know, we'll find out here very soon. Uh, but either way, uh, you know, the thing that – Mets officials and coaches and everyone stresses to you, and then it's so true, is that these guys are all going to play big roles by the time the season is done. This Mets team is not getting through the regular season with five starters. They're probably not getting through with seven or eight starters. So uh, you know who makes the opening day rotation? It does seem like a big deal right now as we stand here at the end of March, but ultimately it's going to be who's healthy. Is, is who's going to help the Mets the most this summer. It seems like nowadays, if you make it through an entire season uh, with fewer than 10 pitchers, that's a miracle. So, you know, the Mets are certainly no different from any other team in that regard. And uh, Anthony, assuming that, you know, Mats is going to be out for an indefinite period of time, you're looking at, at all right-handed rotation. I know these guys, their talent's off the charts, but any concern about that, that there's, at least for the time being, not going to be a lefty in that mix? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, the Mets have done it before, and you know, certainly when you're uh, coming up on an opening series against the Braves, you want to neutralize 
their best hitter, Freddie Freeman, and all of that. But, uh, you know, frankly, like you said, you look at the Mets rotation, you look at the talent they have. Um, you know, I don't think a left-handed uh, batter is feeling comfortable in there against Noah Syndergaard throwing his 97-mile-an-hour sinkers and this change-up that he's really been concentrating on this spring. I mean, these guys have weapons that can combat uh, right-handed hitters as well as left-handed hitters. And then, no, I don't think there's any concern at all that the Mets don't have a lefty starter, at least right now. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with the four and five spots uh, in the coming days as uh, opening day is coming closer and closer. Anthony, one guy that I know you get a ton of questions about from fans in your inbox regards Michael Conforto. Uh, it just seems like he's always in limbo, always kind of in no man's land. Does he start? Does he come off the bench? Does he go to AAA to get you know the at-bats that he might need to be the player that many feel he could or should become? Uh, I'll put you on the spot. What are the Mets going to do with Michael Conforto? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I wish I had a, a perfect answer for you. Um, and so much of this right now, as we, as we stand here and record this, the final week of March, depends on Juan Lagares. Uh, Juan Lagares is supposed to be the Mets' fourth outfielder. He came up with an oblique injury over the weekend. And, uh, you know, at first it seemed like there was no chance he'd be ready for opening day, and that would almost force the Mets put Michael Conforto on the roster as one of the few guys they have who's both healthy and capable of playing center field. Um, but all of a sudden, Juan Lagares is uh, starting to look a little better, and the Mets hope to have him in a game before they leave Florida. And if that's the case, and, uh, you know, Lagares certainly being a good weapon for them, their best defensive player, uh, if he can make the opening day roster, then we're back to square one with this decision with Michael Conforto, and that is you carry him as a bench bat, in the major leagues, knowing the potential that he has, uh, the power that he can bring you late in the game, or do you send him to Las Vegas and hope he goes down there and plays every day and gets that last bit of development that some in the organization still feels that he needs? And, you know, you just hope from a Mets perspective that he goes down there and hits 400 and, and with a lot of power and proves that he's too good for the level and then comes up and stays here for good. Uh, Ultimately, I think that's probably the way the Mets are leaning, and if Juan Lagares is healthy, I think there's a very good chance you see Michael Conforto in AAA. Is that the right decision? Uh, most of my uh, people who chime in on Twitter or send me emails say no. They want him in the big leagues. They don't think he has anything left to prove, and certainly there are, there are merits to both sides of that argument. Uh, it was To me, uh, Michael Conforto was the most interesting decision the Mets had to make coming into spring training, and you know, as we stand here, Again, the last week of March, I, I still think that's the case. Yeah, he is the ultimate conundrum. Uh, you've got fans on both sides of the fence on the great Conforto debates, uh, where he will begin the season and what his role will be. Uh, hopefully we'll get an answer here. We have to get an answer one way or the other uh, in the coming days. Anthony, to uh, calm down the stretch here, a couple of the random topics I want to throw at you, things that I love asking the reporters uh, as we wind down here with the 2017 spring training. It seems like in every camp, there seems to be two guys that strike up a friendship or a bond or what I like to call a bromance. It's one of my favorite terms. So when you look at uh, the makeup of Mets camp uh, for the past few weeks in spring training, who are two guys that you feel have uh, blossomed into a bromance? <laughs> you know, this isn't a new one, but I, I think I have to go with, with Curtis Granderson and Lucas Duda. You know, if it's possible to have a bromance without ever talking to each other, <laughs> but these guys... Yeah, you know, Curtis Granderson set up that Instagram account a couple of years ago that we follow Lucas Duda, following him around and, and taking pictures of him in weird poses, doing everyday mundane things, and it's the funniest thing you'll ever see. And, <laughs> you know, Lucas Duda is 
is a character, and, and you don't always see it. But he sees the he knows what Curtis Granderson's up to, and he's got a couple of uh, uh, tricks up his own sleeve, I think. And and those guys, you know, you you, <laughs> it seems like a one-sided relationship with Curtis Granderson doing all of the talking. But uh, you know, I think they really do love each other at heart. Yeah, that that seems to be the case. And maybe there's a, a reality show somewhere <laughs> in the not too distant <laughs> exactly. future for uh, Curtis and Lucas. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Anthony, how about a guy, a minor leaguer, whether it's uh, you know a top prospect whose name everybody knows or maybe a guy at the lower levels that fans aren't quite aware of, a guy that's really turned heads and surprised some people this spring? You know, uh, this is a guy who's actually been around quite a bit, and, and certainly you can take the prospect label off of him at this point. But I would say the person who surprised me most in Mets camp this year is Rafael Montero. Um, he had really fallen out of favor in the organization the past couple of years. And, and we're talking about a guy who not that long ago was considered a better pitching prospect for the Mets than Jacob DeGrom. Mm. Um, you know, he came to big league camp on no one's radar, didn't really have a chance at a job. And all of a sudden we're standing here in March, and he's looking like he's sitting pretty to make the Mets bullpen or at least, at the very least, be that first guy up at Vegas where if they need a spot starter, Rafael Montero can come in. And that's something that, frankly, I didn't see coming. I don't think a lot of people in the Mets organization saw coming. Uh, I thought, really, this guy's career was, was maybe coming to an end or at least his, uh, his chance at giving the Mets meaningful contribution. So uh, Rafael Montero has pitched great in spring training. He leads or excuse me, ranks fifth in the Grapefruit League and strikeout rate. Uh, he's still walking a few too many batters, but it seems like more and more he's beginning to trust that stuff that we have all known for a long time has been good. And he, he's just, again, someone who is completely not on my radar and really turned my head and I think turns the heads of a lot of Mets thinkers. Yeah, sometimes it just takes guys a little longer than, than some others uh, to put it all together and to figure the whole thing out. And maybe this is Montero's year to really break out and, uh, you know, like we said, put the uh, the whole puzzle together. Uh, we'll certainly see how that transpires. Uh, Anthony, it seems like, too, that, uh, you know, it's always fun in spring training to to kind of uh, gauge the feedback from fans on, on Twitter and other forms of social media and questions to your inbox because there's always a guy that, you know, isn't hitting as well, isn't pitching as well, and fans freak out and they think, that you know, they're going to have a disastrous season. Uh, who might that guy be for the Mets right now, judging from what you've seen from fans? Well, at first it was Matt Harvey when he was, uh, you know, when he had a rough start to the spring, and that's calmed down a little bit. But the guy I'll, I'll, I'll give to you, you know, if Jay Bruce does not hit 350 <laughs> with 55 home runs and 130 RBI this year, uh, I think Mets fans are going to have this guy's head. It, it almost seems like people are rooting for him not to succeed, which, you know, when you take a step back and you look at the kind of player that Jay Bruce has been throughout his career, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, yes, the Mets shocked him this winter, and there was, there was a chance, or certainly there was a, a decent chance that he wasn't going to be back. Um, you know, he is back. And you're talking about a guy who's now your starting right fielder, and he's coming off a 30-something home run season. He drove in 99 runs. He's in the prime of his career physically. And, you know, it, it, it seems like Mets fans aren't that happy about him being there in the middle of the lineup. So, he, he's certainly a guy who didn't have the greatest spring. Um, he did have some high points, uh, and it would behoove him to get off to a good start because it, it seems like Mets fans are just primed to turn on this guy. Yeah, there's always one. There's always a guy in every team that, you know, the, the minute they, you know, have a couple offers and a few too many Ks, uh, look out, the, vulture, the vultures come out. So, like you said, hopefully for Jay's sake, he gets off to a hot start and uh, the fans can call off the dogs at least for a little while. 
And Anthony, to begin to wrap up here, a question I have to ask for my own personal benefit. I am a native of Binghamton, New York. It's where I grew up. So my question to you is, uh, when I go to Binghamton this summer and see the Rumble Ponies in action, a name that I'm still warming up to, they were the Binghamton Mets for 20-some-odd years, but that is no more. But when I bring the kids to see the grandparents uh, in Binghamton this summer, is there a chance I will get to see Tim Tebow play at Nysex Stadium? I had a feeling that's where that question was going. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'll never say never because, uh, you know, the fact that this guy even got a few hits in spring training was, I think, more than I expected, more than a lot of people expected of him. Uh, double A, that's a stretch. That's yeah. a stretch. He's going to start out at, at Columbia, which is uh, in the Sally League, Class A, and, and, you know, from there, theoretically, go to St. Lucie, which is high A if he succeeds. Double A is a big step. It's a big, big step. But – you know, the Mets aren't against pushing this guy. He, he's 29 years old, and he'll be 30 this summer. And, and, you know, if the Mets are legitimately going to treat him like any other player, which has been their charge all spring, and, and treat him like any other prospect, uh, you know, they are going to have to pitch him because, you know, you can't just do a level a year for this guy and expect him to crack the big leagues in his early 30s. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. It, it's going to be very interesting to see how he fares. You know, the spotlight's going to be off him to a certain extent in, in Columbia and, you know, he'll be facing pitching that's a little more his speed than, than what he saw going up against uh, Rick Porcello and Max Scherzer in Grapefruit <laughs> League games. So, you know, m- hey, m- miracles happen and maybe he has a good year, a good summer, and he makes it up there for a Rumble Ponies game. But uh, uh, if I were a betting well. man, I, I, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath, as you said. But again, you know, like like you said, miracles happen. Never say never. And maybe somehow, some way. He goes from a firefly to a rumble pony, and it's it's a happy ending to my story anyway. Anthony uh, DeComo, great stuff as always. We appreciate the time. And uh, this week we're going to end things a bit differently as you, Anthony, had the chance to sit down recently with Terry Collins, and you discuss what's in store for the New York Mets for the upcoming 2017 season. Let's air that interview right now. Talk coming into camp is health of the starting pitchers. Uh, it was a big issue last year. Uh, how does the staff look to you this year, this spring, and, and what do you think this, this starting staff can be? Well, I, first of all, to start out with, to answer the second part of your question first, I think the staff's got a chance to be very special. We've got great depth here. We came in with the priority of making sure they leave healthy. Obviously, with three guys coming off surgery, we had to do it very gingerly in the beginning by watching all the throws they made. Uh, they're now, I think, right on track. Uh, we've seen Jake be very, very good. Matt was much better his last start. He had a great bullpen today. Uh, he's, you know, he's making progress. Stephen Matz is, you know, the the elbows cleaned out. We've got to get him back to where, you know, I think anytime you've pitched with pain and for a period of time, you're always waiting for it to hurt again. And I think Stephen's kind of going through some of that right now. So. But other than that, the other two young guys that came up and did such a great job, they're pitching very, very well. And obviously, Noah is you know, ready to get going. The big injury story early in camp was David Wright. Uh, just how disappointing was that for you? And, and what do you expect out of him this season? Well, I'm really disappointed. I'm really, I feel terrible for David. He's such a gamer. He's such a, a big part of our team. His presence on our team, his presence in our lineup you know, makes a big difference. You know, these guys that have track records, they're still dangerous. So we just, I just hope that David, I know he's doing the process correctly. He's going through doing what he has to do, very frustrated by it. But he's a special guy and he's a special athlete. And, and I think if anybody can come back from something like this, he'll, he'll be the guy. When you talk about the lineup, uh, just how important was it when you found out this team had re-signed Jonas Espedes? Well, I was very surprised. I had, was very surprised. I had talked to Yo late in the season last year, and, and you knew he wanted to play in New York City. But 
all of a sudden you also knew that you know his his agency was saying, hey, look, we're going to look around here. This that's what this process is about. And uh, I was very very excited when I got the phone call that they were they were close to a deal. I, and I, I just knew it. I just knew this guy wanted to stay here, and I know he took less money to to be here, even though it's a, he got a lot of money. But it just shows you his love for New York and the, and the fans that uh, follow our club. This is a lineup with a lot of power, even besides him. What stands out to you among the, the eight guys who you expect to be out well, there? Well, we, we can get you from a lot of different directions. You know, we got three switch hitters in the lineup. Um, certainly, I think you're going to see a better Jay Bruce than you did last year. Uh, the health of Neil has been good. Uh, the health of Lucas, you know, he's coming along fine. So we're dangerous. We're dangerous from top to bottom. And uh, what we've got to do is figure out a way to, you know, get some runs on the board because I think our pitching staff's going to hold you down. And finally, Terry, this is a team that's made the playoffs now two years in a row. How much has that meant to you, and how much would it mean for you to get back there, get back to the World Series, and, and win it? Well, it would be a culmination of you know everything we've done here this, in this organization. If we can get back to the World Series and certainly win it, but you know right now we're looking for October. And with what we did last year, Tony, and I will tell you what I, you cannot take that away from these guys. They they were down, they were out. People people had lost. You know, hey, look, these, there's too many injuries to their pitching. You know they're too old. Whatever the excuses were, uh, and they and they continued to stay together and hung together and played together and got back in the playoffs. And I salute that. And I think that has got to benefit us more than it's going to hurt us. That hey, look, we knew what it takes. You know, we went through it. We know exactly what we've got to do to repeat it. And uh, hopefully, with a healthy season, we're going to be able to do that. MLB.TV Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.TV Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.